Recently, I started reading a book called Hatchie and Little Bee. It was recommended to me by a friend, and it's the story of a little boy named Owen Halkins, whose nickname is Little Bee, and his dog Hatchie. Owen was born in England to parents who met while serving in the Royal Air Force. And at first glance, he appeared to be a beautifully healthy baby boy, wonderful. But as the months progressed, it seemed like his immune system was suppressed and it seemed like he wasn't growing at the same rate as the other babies. As he continued to develop, it seemed like his gross motor skills were lagging behind and he was much smaller than he should have been. They took him to the doctor and they were finally able to diagnose him and he has Schwartz-Hampel syndrome. Now this is a syndrome that causes the muscles to be clenched and it's hard for them to relax. As he began to lose all of his baby fat, he looked like a little bodybuilder because his muscles were constantly tense. And the tension of those muscles pulling on the bones affects the bone development. It affects the alignment of the joints. It can cause great pain and difficulty in breathing. The facial muscles are clenched as well, and so it looks like he's always squinting or pursing his lips. Now for Owen, what that meant was that he was not able to do the things that other children his age were able to do. And it meant that his physical characteristics made him stand out. He was different than others. He noticed that people were staring at him. He felt it when people would say hurtful comments and he started to kind of withdraw. He became fearful of any time he would leave the house of new situations, he didn't want to speak to others. Now to make matters worse, any time that he would try to get up and move around, his balance would fail him and he would fall. And it, because his muscles were so clenched, he would not have time to react and catch himself. So he was always sustaining injuries or recovering from them. When he went to school, there was a little boy who just didn't know any better, and he told Owen, you look funny. And Owen responded by headbutting him. Later, at the supermarket, there was an older woman who was staring at the five-year-old, and, and Owen asked her to stop. But she kept on staring at him, and so he acted out, and he told her, you smell. Now, Owen's father is trying to raise him to be a boy who's kind and respectful, but it was hard when others weren't treating him that way. And Owen himself was responding with feelings of insecurity and anger. It was about that time that Owen's parents saw a dog that was listed on the internet. It had been abandoned on the railroad tracks and sustained serious injuries. It was a five-month-old Anatolian Shepherd and because of the accident, it had to have one of its legs removed and its tail amputated. Now, they knew it wouldn't be a good dog for them. Anatolian shepherds grow to be large dogs. They need lots of space. They're loyal dogs. They were uh, originally from Turkey. They were bred to be herding dogs for sheep and goats. They're loyal, but they've no been known to be temperamental around other dogs or even humans. And so they knew this was not the dog for them, but perhaps this dog could 
reach out and, and be a therapy dog for other officers in the Royal Air Force who had had amputations themselves. So they went to meet this dog called Hatchie. And when they got there, they knew that he was different. He was so kind and gentle, and they just fell in love with him. And so they decided to try to bring him to their small home with their small little boy who was frail and sick. Now, they, they introduced him to their other dog, and Hatchie and their other dog played fine, and pretty soon Hatchie was exploring the entire house. And then he came to Owen's bedroom door. Now, Owen was fast asleep, but because of his disease, he had trouble breathing at night. And so he had to use an oxygen machine, which made all kinds of different noises, and there were medical smells, and all of this could have been very alarming to this dog, especially given the trauma that it had gone through. But instead, Hatchie kind of walks in quietly. Owen's parents are watching carefully to make sure nothing happens, but Hatchie walks in and kind of sniffs the air and then walks right back out. Well, the next morning, Owen's father wakes him up and says, we have a surprise for you. And Owen wakes up immediately. And this little boy, who had been so timid, so frightened by new things, and so worried about uh, meeting new people or new things, in comes this large dog, and Hatchie walks right over to Owen and puts his head right in Owen's lap. They were fast friends. They seemed to know that each of the other had differences, and they cared for one another. Both Owen and Hatchie would have subsequent operations and surgeries and recovery, and yet they were there for each other. Owen, because of his constant muscle tension, has significant pain, and yet Hatchie has really helped him to better deal with that pain. Hatchie would have pain at his amputation sites, but they both seem to be able to handle obstacles better with each other. Now, these are unlikely friends. Hatchie is an Anatolian shepherd, a large dog. He's now 126 pounds. He needs somebody who can run and wrestle with him. And Owen is a small boy. Because of his disease, he needs a small, quiet, tiny pet so that he won't get hurt. And yet, sometimes God uses the unexpected to bless our lives. Today we're continuing on with our sermon series, Wild Kingdom, Celebrating God's Creation. We've been looking at different scriptures that feature animals and asking the questions, what's the message for us? How does this apply to our lives today? This morning, we're looking at the story of Elijah and the ravens. Now, this is a particularly interesting passage. This is the first time that Elijah comes on the scene in the book of Kings. This is his introduction. And right off the bat, he proclaims a drought. Now, this is intriguing because he is proclaiming a drought during the reign of King Ahab and Queen Jezebel. And Queen Jezebel would have been furious about this. She was a priestess of the god Baal, or Baal. And people during that time worshipped Baal because he was the god of storms and thunder and rain. 
And so for Elijah to come on the scene and said, there won't be any rain, no matter what you do, there won't be any rain except that which comes from the living God of Israel. And so Jezebel would have been furious and King Ahab would have gone after the prophet who upset his happy home. And so God sent Elijah into hiding by the brook, by this little river. And God said that he would send ravens to feed Elijah. Now, the ravens themselves would have been surprising to him, but they would bring him bread and meat every day. After a while, the little river would dry up, and God told him to go to the widow in Zarephath. Now, there are so many unexpected things in this passage. The first is that we remember that this is Elijah's first story. He's an unknown. He has been inserted into the Ahab and Jezebel story. There's no kind of ramping up to Elijah. There's no getting used to him as a prophet. Right off the bat, he proclaims a drought. He's taking on the king and queen of the country. This relative unknown is taking on the, the royalty. Not only that, is he sent by God to dwell by this brook, and he's going to be fed by ravens. Now, it's a miraculous story in and of itself when anybody is fed by the wild animals. But there's a part of the story that's a deeper message. Ravens were an unclean animal. For the Hebrew people, they were given a list of foods that they could eat and foods that they couldn't eat. And ravens were on the could not eat column. Now, it wasn't just that you couldn't eat the ravens. You can't have clean food associated with unclean food. I mean, imagine, would you want vultures eating off your plate before you ate from it? You don't mix the two. And so this has been a very perplexing kind of passage for people throughout the ages. And sometimes we've tried to kind of navigate around it. For some, we have told the story and told it as merchants who are traveling along happened to come uh, by Elijah, and it was merchants that fed Elijah. For some, they would have the ravens picking up royal food. The ravens went to the table of Ahab and Jezebel and picked up the food that they were going to eat and delivered it every day to Elijah. Now, I kind of like that one. That's a little bit more fun to think of Ahab and Jezebel missing out on their food and it being hand-delivered to the prophet. But food that was consecrated or dedicated to the god Baal wouldn't have been very clean for the prophet. We aren't supposed to rectify unclean animals bringing food to Elijah. That's the point in this story. God is using the unclean to minister to the prophet. And the question is, is anything really unclean when it's used by God? God sanctifies things according to God's purpose. And then you have the prophet going to Zarephath. Now, when he goes to the widow, this is a distant foreign country, and he's going to a widow's home who has nothing. Now, it points out that Zarephath belonged to Sidon. Now, this was a country 
that stands out and it's pointed out by the author because just a few verses before today's passage, there's a key verse that says, Ahab married Jezebel, who was the daughter of the king of Sidon. And so you have the, the princess of Sidon versus the widow. You have the princess who has gone on to become a queen and she has all the power and resources and money and she can't bring the rain and take care of her people. And you have the widow who has no means to provide for herself, let alone anyone else, and she will be the one who is able to feed and provide water for the prophet of God. This entire passage is full of unexpected surprises. I think there are three things that we can look at so that we might be better able to be open to God's surprises in our lives and be more willing for God to use us in the lives of others. First, we need to listen to the voice of God. All throughout this passage, it depends on Elijah listening to God's voice. Elijah needed to listen to the proclamation about the drought so that the people of Israel would know the one and true living God. And then Elijah needed to listen to God to run into hiding so that Ahab and Jezebel wouldn't catch him. Elijah probably wouldn't have eaten the food from the ravens had not God told him that they would be sent to feed him. And Elijah needed to listen to know where to go and to minister for the life of the widow. I think it's fascinating that God sent Elijah to the wilderness before the widow. Now, widow in that time probably was just as needy at the beginning as she was when Elijah finally got to her. Why did Elijah go into the wilderness first? Aren't there times in your lives that you can become better attuned to the voice of God out in nature? Aren't there times that you're sitting on the shoreline and the waves are crashing on the beach and, and you just feel more open to God's presence? Or aren't there times when you're up in the mountains and nothing tastes as good as a hot cup of coffee on a cold mountain morning? And, and don't you just feel open to God's word on, in moments like that? There's something that happens out in nature where we can kind of quiet our senses, where we can put aside the busyness of the world around us and be more open to God's voice. I think that's why nature shows are so popular. I love nature shows because they kind of fill in the gaps between the times that I can get back to the mountains and see the animals and see the wildlife. One of my favorites over the years has been Wild America. It was produced by Marty Stauffer. Marty Stauffer and his two brothers, Mark and Marshall, have become world-renowned videographers in animal and nature films. They've done uh, partnerships with each other, films together and films independently. They've done films on their own that they've directed and films for groups like PBS and National Geographic. All three brothers are incredibly successful in their field, but you never would have expected them to go in it in the first place. 
They grew up in the 1960s in Arkansas, and they had a good family, but they were destined to take over their father's business. He had an auto supply parts store, and he was so excited that this was going to be a father and son business. He wanted his sons to work there. He wanted to hand the business over to them someday. But the sons weren't interested. They loved nature. They loved the outdoors. They lived in a place where they could go and explore and hunt and fish, and they always had lots of animals around, and, and that's what they loved. For Marty Stauffer, he wanted a career that would allow him to be out in nature. He knew in looking at his father's life that his father was always working and rarely took any time off, and so he looked around for some other options. Marty had a friend whose father was an attorney, and this was a, a wonderful man, and Marty saw him going to the office on times, but he also saw that more often than not, this man was wearing a fishing hat and had a canoe strapped to the top of his station wagon, and so for Marty, being an attorney meant that you could fish. And so that was in his mind, and he went to the University of Arkansas in the pre-law program because he wanted to be an attorney so he could be outdoors. Well, he graduated with an English degree, but not surprisingly, his heart was never in that career choice. But all along, he had whispers of what he should be doing. His family had an eight millimeter movie camera and they always took home movies and the boys would be filming their different pets and animals and, and fishing expeditions. His father saw that a wedge was develop it, developing between him and his boys. And so finally his father took out a big loan and purchased a 16 millimeter movie camera and gave Marty and all of his sons his blessing to not come into the family business. And, and when they were kind of set free from that, they went off and they were able to really hear what their path was in life. Because Marty was able to wrestle with that and Marty was able to hear for himself, it opened up the path for his brothers and it opened up these nature programs that have blessed hundreds and thousands of people through the years. If we are open to the voice of God, we will find unexpected blessings in our lives. Now, it's easy enough to say we should just listen to God, but what exactly does that mean? It means going out and being attuned, knowing God, and being able to understand the circumstances in the world around us so that we can understand what God would desire in that situation. For Elijah, maybe he heard the actual words of God telling him to go to the widow. Maybe he heard this booming voice that told him exactly what to do. Or perhaps he was out in nature. And Elijah was so in love with God and so attuned with God that when he saw the, this little river dry up, he understood that others would be suffering. He understood that he could go out and minister to them. He understood what God's desire would be. Either way, Elijah was listening to the voice of God. There are times that we need to go out in nature where we need to go and quiet ourselves to listen to God's voice. But the truth is, before we can know God in nature, 
we really need to know more about the nature of God. And that's why growing in our faith is such a key component of how we live out our mission here at St. Luke's. Reading our Bibles, reading other devotional material, being in small groups and, and prayer and meditating on God's word are all ways that we can become more familiar with God's desire in the world. And that can help us to read the signs around us that when we see water start to dry up, we can know that people are thirsty. We can see that people will be hungry when the crops fail. We can read God's word in the world. Second, God will do unexpected things in our lives. It's amazing to me that Elijah never questions taking the food from the raven. Now, ravens have pretty much always had this bad rap. Now, this is a positive scripture about ravens, but really it's the only one in scripture. There are a few others that talk about God providing for all of the animals, even the ravens, but that doesn't cast them in a great light. And then, of course, there's the verse in Proverbs that talks about the raven that will pluck out the eyes of anyone who scorns or disrespects their parents. It's not a pretty picture of a bird that you want around. Maybe it's the size of ravens. You know, ravens are larger than common crows. They're about the size of a hawk. And unlike a crow that has to flap almost continuously to keep in flight, a raven can soar. And it kind of gives it the appearance of it always being on the hunt or the prowl. Or maybe it's the poem by Edgar Allan Poe about the raven. Quoth the raven nevermore. Ravens have always had this kind of sinister foreboding appearance throughout history and throughout literature. And yet it was the raven that God chose to use to bring healing and life to Elijah. I think God delights in surprises. And if we're open to unexpected blessings, we will find incredible joy and meaning in our lives. This year is the 110th anniversary of the Oklahoma City Zoo. We have an incredible zoo. It actually started with one animal in 1902, but they recognized that 1904 was the first full year of business. It began at Wheeler Park until it finally moved to its present location, and now they have over 1,900 different animals representing 500 different species. And of those species, 54 species are endangered or threatened out in the wild. We have a large collection of special deer. We are one of only 11 zoos to have the Pear David deer, which is extinct in the wild and is only existing in captivity now. We have the Pudu deer and the Sika deer, but it's surprising to know that it began with a very rare deer so many years ago. The very first animal of the Oklahoma City Zoo was a white-tailed deer. There was a white-tailed deer given to Wheeler Park, and at that time, white-tail had almost been decimated across the country. In those days, the Oklahoma Department of Conservation estimate there were, there were about 500 white-tailed deer in the entire state of Oklahoma. Now, the number's around 400,000. 
But in those, day, in those days, whitetail were so rare that someone had donated it, and people came from all over to see this whitetail deer. And from that developed this amazing collection of animals, this wonderful place. Over one million people visit the zoo every year. Who would have imagined that it was an ordinary white-tailed deer that gave way to such an amazing zoo? But the people of that time would have never imagined that the white-tailed deer would have ever become ordinary. Maybe it was because people began to see how beautiful this creature was that within 15 years of the zoo opening and this deer being put on display, there was legislation enacted that started overseeing the population of white-tailed deer in the state of Oklahoma. And now it, it is a very healthy state. The ordinary can be unexpected in our lives and bring wonderful blessings. And now you can drive almost anywhere in the state of Oklahoma at dusk, and if you're looking, you can probably see an ordinary, incredible white-tailed deer. And third, God can use us in unexpected ways in the lives of others. For Elijah, he was sent to Zarephath. This was the land of Sidon. This was the land of Jezebel. Imagine God saying, I want you to go to the country of Jezebel, your enemy, and I want you to minister there. When he goes there, he goes to this widow's house, and I want you to think about how this uh, story plays out from her perspective. She has no means of support for herself or her son, let alone a prophet. She has no way of food, and she's in the midst of this extreme drought that continues on and on. Now, a few verses after this passage, Elijah asks her for food, and she tells him, it's by the living God, your God, that my situation, you know, I would give you anything I had. She doesn't turn him away, but she tells him, I only have a small amount of food left, enough for one meal, and I fully expect that we will die afterwards because our situation has gotten that bad. So here you have this widow of Sidon who proclaims the God of Israel, and yet you have the queen of Israel who won't let anyone proclaim the living God. She has all the power, and yet she's the one who will minister and save Elijah. She could have never imagined that she would be the one with unlimited resources, that she would be the one that would prevent, or pre that would help Elijah in the midst of his need. She would have never imagined that her story would have been told for generations and generations. God delights in surprises. And if we're open to God's voice in our life, we will find that God will use us in unexpected ways for others. For Owen Halkins and Hatchie, their friendship has only grown closer and closer. Owen was able to start a new elementary school in the fall of 2012 that was accessible to his new electric wheelchair. Now before, this little boy had cried any time he left the house but now he was kind of excited about going to a new school. Hatchie had given him 
uh, all this confidence, but they still took Hatchie with them as they dropped Owen off. And they brought Hatchie with them when they picked him back up that afternoon. But when they did, Owen was crying. And they thought, oh no, what's happened? Has somebody made mean? Has somebody been picking on him? And when they finally got him settled down, they asked, why are you crying? And Owen said, the girls say I'm cute. For Owen, except for the problem that all boys have with girls and cooties, he loves the school. He loves his new friends. He is adapting well, and it's because of this unlikely friendship that God brought about in his life. But it just doesn't stop with the two of them. This has opened up an awareness in Owen to reach out to others. He really wants to minister to other children. Recently, he went through a painful hip surgery, and one of the things that they had to do was insert tubing into his veins so that they could dispense the medicine. And he had been through that many times before, and that was always the, the most painful part of the recovery was removing those tubes. And so he told his parents, you may want to put your hand over my mouth because I'm afraid I might scream and I don't want to frighten the other children. All of a sudden, this little boy who had withdrawn into himself has this awareness and desire to minister to others. This scared little boy is now a spokesperson, and Hatchie has become a therapy dog. And they have traveled to different children's hospitals, and they work through the Make-A-Wish Foundation because they want to minister to other children. How is it that this little boy with this debilitating disease can bring such hope and courage to others? How is it that this large three-legged dog can bring such joy to others? God delights in the surprises of life. And if we're open, we will find those unexpected blessings. Are we open to the voice of God in our lives? Are we open to the ways that God would surprise us? And are we open to God using us in unexpected ways for others? It's in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Let each of us lift up our own silent prayers. Amen.